welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Listen In Podcast. We are up to episode 153, Jake? Sounds right. Uh, let me check. Yep, 153. 153. We are into the heart of April now. Yeah. And I think now this might be a, a hot take. We just had our strongest music release week of the year. What makes that a hot take? Because I agree with you. I'm trying to think uh, of what, what, which one competes. You know what? I, I don't think. I think you're right. I don't think we've had a, a stronger one than this. And what I'm referring to, listeners, is the new releases from Wise Blood, Priests, and Pup. Yeah, um, three albums that we were pretty hyped for. Yeah, um, and that I think lived up to the billing and and have been really good to. Listen to and go back to. Do you want to start with Wise Blood? Let's start with Wise Blood. So we talked about this in our release radar last week, and we were very into those three singles that had come out every day, Andromeda and movies. And this album is called Titanic Rising. This is the follow-up to Wise Blood's 2016 offering, Jake. Front row seat to earth. This is all off the top of my head, too. This is really well I'm drawing done. On this. It, this is a clinic. Now, here, here's um, an example of preparedness, though, Jake. Yep. I don't remember the name of the person behind Wise Blood. It's Natalie, Natalie Merling. Okay, Natalie Merling put out an excellent, excellent album in Titanic Rising, Jake. Uh, I have been so impressed with this. I, I've been listening a ton since it came out. It reminds me of a mixture between Carol King, The Carpenters, some Enya thrown in, yep. also elements of like Father John Misty on certain uh, tracks or, or like lyrical themes or, or songwriting style. Uh, this is such a wheelhouse type of Sean and Jake album. Yeah. Just everything about it, I've been loving. I just want to correct the record really quick. It's Merring, M-E-R-I-N-G. How no dare L. you? I just, I thought there was an L. Wow. It seemed like Merling would be the name. I agree with you on all those points. On um, all counts. On all counts, yep. I, I've still have been loving Andromeda every day and movies and the rest of the album that's put together around those songs is excellent. It was a little bit, I think we both talked uh, about experiencing this a bit where we listened to the singles enough where... <clears throat> the first several times I listened to the album, I was definitely liking it, enjoying it all the way through. Was having a hard time grappling, grabbing on to the non-single songs. So I did a little bit of uh, listening to those on their own. Songs like, let's see, songs like uh, Mirror Forever, Wild Time, Picture Me Better, um, Something to Believe. Those, those songs, uh, listening to those out of the context of the album and then putting it all back together, had my best listen doing that. Uh, I think what she's put together here is definitely one of the most ambitious albums in the genre of rock that I've heard, like in a while, actually. Um, there's a lot going on here, and uh, Jonathan Rado, who produced this, um, he, he and, and um, Natalie of Wise Blood, from, I've, I've heard from a couple interviews, it sounds like they did a lot of really interesting studio experimentation, like the violins on, I think, must be every day. I think they're also there in Andromeda a bit. And movies, too. It has that really like theatrical kind of film score feel to them. And the way they accomplished it is they ran them through, they recorded them to reel-to-reels, mm. and they like, I think they literally shook the reel-to-reels to get like this like wavering wow. sound. It gives it that old school, almost kind of popping, like warbly tone. Makes for a really interesting thing. I, I love that. Me too, man. It's like it's 
That's exactly it my shit. It seems like this album, Titanic Rising, has like ha- like has these little stories around it already, you yeah, know? It does, like yeah. the album cover. And like I just want to shout out this album cover. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's one of it's the best her of all time. Underwater in this bedroom scene and I saw a video on Instagram that Stereo Gum put out about the making of this album cover and it shows this dude in scuba gear like setting everything up and he gave it like one of these into the camera like the what what is this like the hang 10 bro sign yeah, Sean has his pinky and thumb extended <laughs> doing and he kept like doing that it was like a lot of that yep. which is really funny and then it showed her like diving in and just like being in different like scenes in there this is a really cool album cover and i think it sort of Ties back to a lot of the themes on this album, which I, I'm really responding to. It's 2019, Jake. Global warming's bearing down on us. There's lots of like allusions to kind of like the coming apocalypse or maybe the apocalypse that's already here. Um, and I think her being underwater in this quaint bedroom setup is very appropriate for a lot of the themes on this album. Feels fitting. Yeah. To a lot of the themes we talk about every week about living <laughs> lives of general privilege and comfort mm-hmm. and still feeling like, what's wrong here? Something's and, and, a foul. And that's kind of what a lot of these songs are about. Yeah. And like, I, I think it's on um, Something to Believe. Where there's the line about like drank a lot of coffee today and then like got a case of the empties. It like rules my life or whatever. It's just like very appropriate stuff for living in a modern world, I think, where, you know, you realize the state of things, but you're still striving to find meaning in life and and in love, which is a lot of like the, the themes on this album, too. Um, but yeah, you had mentioned earlier about how we got really used to the singles, the three big singles, Everyday Andromeda and Movies. Uh, this seems to happen at least once a year with us where we really just like listen to the shit out of singles and it does kind of throw off the album experience. The big one I remember is A Deeper Understanding by The War on Drugs. Yeah. It felt like we had Thinking of a Place for six months And we exhausted that song before the album even came out. I think I already listened to it 35 times before the album came out. Yeah, and that's an 11-minute song. I know. So that started to happen here. Uh, I did purposefully dial that back a couple days before the album came out. But I agree. I got so used to them and was so impressed by them already. I had a hard time, particularly with the back half of this album. Everything after movies. I was like, this feels very different and like I can't really sink my teeth into i do think though the first track a lot's gonna change and then something to believe which is sandwiched between every day and the ambient quick interlude track titanic rising before we hit movies those were a lot easier at first yeah so it was like six for six after movies those last three songs going into the outro of near to the the violin track uh, I think we're a little bit harder, but I finally, I did come around early this week. And I yeah. did the same thing as you, where I just listened to those on their own, and that really got me more into the mode of enjoying them. You know, I think what it is with, with those last tracks, which include, again, uh, Mirror Forever, Wild Time, Picture Me Better, uh, <clears throat> there's interesting things being done on them. They strike me as a little subtler, like they're a little yeah. more on the subtle side, and they... they um, I don't know, man. Throughout this album, this isn't even just about the last three tracks. I'm really impressed with like 
the the style of songwriting that's going on here. Like this is right in that wheelhouse of like bands and artists like Father John Misty. I include Foxygen in that group. Mm. Um, this band, and by, and by including um, those artists, I mean like artists who kind of replicate this like almost seventies sound. Yes. There's this new appreciation for the lush rock studio sound yep. of the seventies, and it feels like that is not lost at all on, on Wise Blood, and it, it's really brought to bear. I mean, we talked on about uh, every day and the. The uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Rather Andromeda with mm-hmm. the the George Harrison style, or even Badfinger, whatever you want to comparison you yeah. want to make, uh, slide guitar licks yes. and stuff. Even down to like the 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 sort of the very dense orchestration that's going on and all the different instruments, kind of reminiscent of like a Harry Nilsson or something. I know that she's spoken to his influence yes. like in interviews and stuff. It's a really cool listen. I I think that there's definitely people. For whom, like, this is not the sound. Right. This ain't it. That they're, That's not what they're looking for. <laughs> right. Um, it very much is but for me, though. This is such a lush and gorgeous album, and the melodies are there, the arrangements are there. Like, there's complex stuff happening here, but also in such a palatable way that you almost don't even realize how complex and intricate it is. And I, there's so many lyrics on here that I love, too. It just invokes, like, really interesting imagery or thoughts, like... Just on the opening track, I love that line that starts the second verse where she goes, born in a century, lost to memories. And it got me thinking. I was like, that's really interesting. I was like, oh, wait. I was born at the tail end of this century that's now done. And now we're in a new one that feels very different and weird. And still being very much defined. Exactly. And and, and it's like the 20th century, like that's done. That's a wrap. But it's like you were born in that and now it's lost to memories. And that struck me as like this really sad, like alienating thought almost like the people who were born at the end of that century are going to be like this weird outlier in 40-ish years it does it does kind of feel like millennials in general not to go way too far down this tangent it does kind of feel like millennials more and more we're we are going to be this like tweener era because we we grew up with tech sean (laughs) yo yes and with familiarity with tech but the generation after us is going to blow us away. Oh, without a doubt. We're, made, we're going to be made to look like fools compared to the Gen Z yep. uh, folk. You know, and, I, 100%. And I, so I actually do. I, I associate with that big time because it feels like, again, 1992. It's not when Natalie Merring was born. I think she was eh, She's like, like 30, 30 31. Yeah, yeah she's that's true. Like, 1988, you know, actually. Yeah, 88. Yeah. Similar time period. Um, it is kind of this weird in-between time to have been born, sort of. So yeah, I can, I think I can relate to that. This album just feels so of... The, so, okay, sound-wise, we've been saying it evokes a lot of like that 70s stuff, but it's taking this sound that everyone's sort of familiar with, and it's taking this comfortable thing that we all kind of know, but also kind of distorting it or twisting it in yeah. a way that I think is very 2019 and very of this era. Yeah. And I think a lot of the lyrics speak to that. Um I would say, so I, I want to ask you, if we take the singles, if we take movies Andromeda on every day, do you have a favorite out of those three? I think I have gotten to a point where I, I know, I think I know what the best song is and what my favorite is. And they're the, they're the same one, actually. My, um, my favorite one to listen to, my favorite one is Every Day. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
I thought you were gonna maybe say Andromeda. Andromeda is is second. Okay, my favorite's actually movies. And I think movies is actually the best one. Movies from a, like a song perspective. I it's see, so impressive. It's impressive. I think it's like almost more impressive from like a production standpoint. That, yeah. And I feel like every day an Andromeda hold together as like songs better. It's interesting because now that I've heard this album a few times, every day is actually the one where I'm kind of like, okay, I get this one. Yeah. Um, I just think the way movies builds, like there's two really distinct parts to it. Movies feels like it, its title is appropriate. It feels cinematic. Exactly. It, it kind of yeah. feels like it, it feels like it, it moves in in sort of different movements almost throughout. Mm-hmm. I, I guess when I say the other two hang together better as songs to me, I mean in a more traditional sense. Yeah, so I think Andromeda, if I were to pick one of those three to just always go back to as like a song yeah, yeah. that like maybe wouldn't get that old, it's pr- it's probably that one. Yeah, so you um, felt every day's gotten old. Yeah, know? what's interesting is like that was my favorite when I first heard the singles. Yeah, yeah. But it, like now that I've heard the album more and I've heard those in the context of the album, I think it's movies and I think movies is like the centerpiece of this album. Literally. Now, if we, yeah, quite literally in the in the track listing. If you separate the three big singles, because I think those do stand head and shoulders above the other songs. Do you have a favorite of just the, the album tracks at this point? Um, yes, I think for me, it is uh, probably something to believe. I think it's. I think that's mine too. Yeah, and I, I think that it's it gets tougher to pick after that. I think you could say a lot's going to change. Yeah. Um, but I, I I do think it's something to believe. I, I I think it is for me too. Um, there is a great lyric though on one of those the later uh, tracks. Yeah, one of those later ones. I think it's Mirror Forever. I'm gonna find it right now actually because it really it it was it was one of those situations where you know you're listening to it and you never quite realized what was being said and then like the eighth time you've listened you're like oh this is a really cool yeah this is a really cool line um and i'm gonna find it here in just a second bad radio yeah that's real right. bad radio i was gonna filibuster but i didn't have anything yeah well i could filibuster about the fact that i listened to wise blood on tim heidecker's podcast who I think that happened through like a weird third part. Like he knows Rado, who produced his album that mm. he came out with. And through that, he interviewed her. And she was a good interview. She seemed very serious, but his podcast is crazy. And I think she didn't know yeah. what to make of it. Oh, okay. Does it that was, happen often on, on that podcast where uh, guests are like, eh? I, I haven't heard him have that many guests, to be honest. But he, like, he's someone who like appreciates music in a huge way. Like, um, and I think really appreciates what she brought to the table. And in the interview, it was interesting. I guess she started when she was like 15. She like started yeah, playing yeah. sets. Like she would go to the city on her own. I think Philly. I think she was a Pennsylvania yeah. uh, native. And she would just go play sets at 15. Um, and yeah, that's where they talked about her relationship with Rado, which is what I'm really interested in. This guy seems like he's like. M- a really good producer. It seems yeah. like he's dipping his toe more in that. And I mean, this album is impeccably well done. I mean, they produce it together. Yeah. Um, but he seems like he's becoming more and more a person people go to for like a certain sound. Right. And the way she was describing him was like, just like this wizard who knows how to use these analog musical it's technologies really cool. for recording yeah. and for 
like laying down the strings and stuff. Um, and so I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. I did find the lyric. It, it is on Wild Time on the second half of the album. It goes, let these changes make you more holy and true. Otherwise, you just made it complicated for nothing. Which is a really interesting way to look at change and how it can be really hard and you have to go through some shit. But if you don't follow it through, you just kind of like messed everything up and made it chaotic for really no outcome or reason. It's like you got to go all the way with it, you know? Yeah. So I really really like that line. Hmm, That's Um, interesting. So like some of of those tracks on the back half are really starting to uh, come around for me. I agree. I think it hangs together as an album beautifully. It really does. How long is this album, Jake? Because I've been on Spotify mobile since it came out. I haven't looked on my laptop and it's really actually frustrating me that they don't have that. I want to say it's like 48 minutes. 46 really? minutes? Okay. What did it you think? felt shorter than that. Let's see. I'll, I'll look it up. I'm going to guess like 41. I think I'm actually going to guess 44. Okay. That's maybe what I remember more. Okay. Let's see. Um, it is... One sec. Bad radio. Bad radio. Bad radio. Bad radio. Just saying it over and over makes it... Bad good. radio. It fills the dead air. 42, 22. Yes. Okay. 42. That makes sense. That's a great length. By the yeah, way. it's a perfect. great length, especially for, for an album you love. It's just yeah. a little long. Yep, longer yep. than that's yeah. wheelhouse stuff right there. Uh, yeah, so this is shooting up the ranks of uh, my favorites of the year. Jake, let's talk about another one that's shooting up the ranks for me. This is wildly different than that Wise Blood album, but it is one of the bands that we have been into for a long time on this podcast. It is Pup, the pop punk band out of Toronto, Canada. They came out with their third album, Morbid Stuff, last Friday. Um, and I have to say, I I loved The Dream Is Over yeah. that came out in 2016. Absolutely loved it. Me too. I was that album was huge for us that year. V- so huge. And, you know, we saw them live a couple times since then. And they put on one of the best live shows that I've seen. So they bring so much energy. The crowd really gets into it. Their songs are hooky as fuck. I'm such a sucker for a shout-along chorus, and they do it better than almost anybody. I gotta say really quick, too, because they're always described as a a punk band, which I think they are in some ways, but to me, they're just a rock band that plays incredibly fast, which is somehow a distinction in my brain. It's a good point. Because they they play these songs that are, like, more complexly articulated than punk somehow. I don't know why. Pup, for, for me, has always felt like kind of their own genre in a really strange way. It's like this niche sound. Yeah. And it has something to do with those, like, chant vocals. Yeah. And just the way uh, Stefan, Stefan Steven, Stefan, yeah. Babcock's vocals sound is such an intense, specific frequency. Yeah. That That's it's like, point. I'm always just like, they just are like, they're just pop. They're just pop. It's crazy. It's a really good point. And after The Dream Is Over came out, I really wanted more Pup, and it took three years to come out with Morbid Stuff, and the whole time I was like, you know, that album was such a time and place, it was so 2016, there's no way they can possibly live up to The Dream Is Over, and on the first couple listens, I I thought that with Morbid Stuff, I was like, okay, like, this is really good, but, you know, since then, Jake, especially the last couple days... I'm. This is right up there with the dreams over in terms of quality across the album. Now yeah. look, I don't think there's anything on here that reaches the highs of if this tour doesn't kill you going into DVP. Okay. That 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 is like an untouchable, just thrilling moment. Yeah. 
And then right into doubts, which and is then one right of into best doubts, songs. like that. That is such a strong start to that album. And then you have songs like "Can't Win" later on. I think overall, this is maybe a little bit more consistent of an album than "The Dream Is Over," if not reaching the highs. Though I think that's that's where it may be. That's the distinction between these two records. I can see that. I also think um, so. I had, I've had similar thoughts where I think it is like. Some of the moments aren't as big. I think there's still, you know, there's, uh, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. I think this album is like, is funnier. This album feels yeah. like it has a more interesting take on things. And I've always appreciated the lyrics from Pup stuff, but like this one feels, the Morbid stuff really feels like it has something to say. Yeah. And it's really, really funny. Um, Like, which one is it? Like, I think it's on kids those opening lines the uh yeah they're so funny when he's or, or funny but also dark or whatever yeah. when he's like at this point in my vapid empty existence like <laughs> right i don't even feel like trying anything or whatever. yeah yeah I was and reading, i've embraced the calamity yeah yeah and like there's something to be said about when i had never taken the time before really to read lyrics along with pup when you do that you can really appreciate because it, it, it feels like pure energy coming out yes. of the speakers when you first listen to it but there's a lot that goes into it. There's nuance to the to the lyrics, and like I actually am fully appreciating that in a way I never did, even with the last album, which I loved. I I completely agree. The lyrics here, there's a lot to sink your teeth into. The whole theme of this kind of seems like just getting tired and burnt out of trying, because you're just like 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 the line like I tried I tried vegan food I took up meditation like that's a great example of like what I'm talking about with the funny yeah or or the one where it's like saw me in the produce section yep. like making healthy decisions or whatever and just great lines like that or or in uh, full blown meltdown like I'm getting tired of uh, like self help or like getting exhausted with self help or whatever like lines I'm, like that it's just like this fuck man like nothing I do makes me feel any better. And I'm just going to like sing about it on this album. There's a very know? particular kind of exhaustion going on throughout the lyrics. I also love there's several times where it feels like even th- th- he understands people's criticism of like, dude, grow up and stop being in this fucking band. Dude. Yes. Like, yes. St- would you stop? Like, like the, the line band? on kids, like, uh, your songs are getting way too literal. Yeah, try some goddamn subtlety for a change. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, it's so great. Can I ask you something? Because I couldn't find this in the Pitchfork review where I thought for sure it would be. D- does he have kids? Is that what the, some okay. of these songs are about? I don't know. I would assume no. Because there's, first of all, there's kids. And I right. thought what was really interesting is like that whole song seems to be basically about nihilism and existential exhaustion. Yep. But the only thing that ma- the only thing that matters is you. I thought maybe that could be a love interest. Then I was okay. like, maybe it's a kid. And then in the other song... Scorpion like, Hill. When he's talking about the picture of his kid first yeah. day of school. Yeah, and like how I can't... If I can't support the two of us, how can I support a third? A third? Yeah. They found a, 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 a gun under a pile of clothes in the room where your son sleeps yeah. or whatever he says. So that got me thinking too. I know for a fact... That kids, he has actually said, kids is a love, like a nihilistic love song, where it's like he's a, like it's about this person who I met, who like just seems to like get it like I do, basically, and okay. it's this idea of just like yeah, the world can like be awful, but I can still just like care about this person. So I know that kids is I like to that. a love song. Yeah. Um. Now Scorpion Hill, that's an interesting one, but Pup in the past has done 
kind of storytelling songs. That's what I was wondering about. And it get, I, it, I, think, I don't think this is about him. I don't think this is autobiographical. I, and maybe it's about a character or someone I he think knows. Because I was thinking the same thing. Where, But there, there's so many lyrics on here that to me, and I, I can't point to specifics outside the ones I have, that are like, they just are about growing up and growing old yeah. and getting tired. Where I was like, maybe they did have kids, but maybe not. And maybe that's not a part of it. Can I ask you another thing? Yeah. How do you interpret the turns of phrase on Bloody Mary Kate and Ashley? I don't understand really fully what's going on. I, I love that. Okay, first of all, I don't think the title actually has that much to do with the song. But hear me out. Is Because Bloody Mary is the thing you see in the mirror, yeah. right? Is he is he singing to Bloody Mary in that song? Because he's like, I feel like I'm tripping or whatever. Oh, are from you, all, yeah, from yeah. Does he say, it's are you, a trick of the eye from the drugs that I'm taking? Yeah, yeah. and then do you prefer Ashley or Mary Kate? Is that him like asking like, what do I call you? Oh, I was yeah. trying to parse through what those words. I, were. I I still don't know. I just thought the title was sort of a joke, where it's funny to say like Bloody Mary, Kate and Ashley, yeah, but also like Bloody Mary is like the person in the mirror, but also just like. You drink Bloody Marys. And there's a lot of talk of just like self-medicating on this album. Well, and for how much the lyrics are in that song are about like drugs and feeling completely like out of it, um, it kind of makes sense that the lyrics would be disjointed. And, yeah, like, exactly. Totally that's sense. actually one of my favorites. I think that's so it's catchy. It's super catchy, especially like, do you prefer Ashley or Mary Kay? Yeah, like, like that, that, that part's really awesome. Um, some other favorites. Kids is still up there is one of my favorite songs on here. I think that's excellent. See You at Your Funeral is great. Free At Last um, for me is up there. Free At Last is really good. I love the line on Scorpion Hill, if the world is going to burn, we all deserve a turn to light it up. And then it goes into that really crunchy riff. I love that. Um, Bare Hands over the last couple days, the second to last track, has been one that I think is really catchy. Um, it's not one of my favorites. In fact, it might be my least favorite on the album. I'm not sure. Full Blown Meltdown. I love the part at the end when they go, wow, and there's a... <laughs> Yeah, you that sounds like, like a heavy metal that song. like grinding, like <laughs> yeah. system of a down riff. Yes, yes. I love that part. Uh, overall, I've been very impressed and happy with this album because I think when you have, first of all, when there's a band like this that that is kind of like this style of music and plays seemingly really straight ahead just rock songs, and a lot of it has to do with like capturing energy or or like really speaking to a moment in time, I think it's easy for the next record to not live up. And I think they actually, like, under the radar, had, like, a tall order of living up to The Dream Is Over. And they nailed it. Like, they're three for three on albums, in my opinion. I, I, I totally agree that they nailed it. I, I've been loving this album. And also, I just looked up the lyrics just on a, just to see what Bloody Mary Kate Nashley is about. It's definitely about Bloody Mary. Oh, okay, cool. Because the first lyrics are, it's only a game I hadn't thought about in years. Repeated her name three times in the mirror. The candles went out and you started to laugh. I heard a sound in the attic, but you didn't believe in all of that. Are you real or fake? Am I alive? Am I awake? This must be some kind of mistake, a trick of the eyes or the drugs that I'm taking. Um... Where the Mary Kate Nashley thing comes in, I'm still I think it's just, not. I, sure. I think it's just a play on. Might have just been fun to sing. I, I, th I think yeah. so. Yeah, because that's a favorite too. Whenever I get to that one, I'm like kind of excited. <laughs> Me too. Me too. That's definitely a favorite. Uh, but yeah, this album's great as well. And Jake, let's dive into this last one here. Um, last but not least, the, uh, this new album from Priests, their second album, The Seduction of Kansas. So this is another one that we've talked about intermittently throughout the last few episodes where 
I brought up loving the single Good Time Charlie from yeah. this album. Um, now, I will say off the bat, I don't think this album is quite as exciting or doesn't quite reach the highs as their first album. Now, that was in my 2010s in review the last couple weeks. I talked yes. about really having a resurgence a review. with that first Priest record. And, and I think some of the songs on there, like J.J., Nothing Feels Natural, uh, No Big Bang, like those songs f- still feel incredibly fresh, exciting, and like a revelation. I think they're doing a lot of similar stuff on this album, but... It's like, okay, like you're definitely settling into a groove, very consistent. Like, this is a good album. Yep. Um, I think the subject matter, there's a lot of similar stuff where it's talking about just like, you know, it's kind of political. They're talking about like societal issues, but in a way that I think is like bigger picture than Wise Blood or Pup. I think that's a, a theme throughout all three of these albums is they're speaking to some kind of experience of what it means to be alive in 2019, but in really different ways. Like Wise Blood is doing it in this kind of like beautiful, nostalgic artistic. kind of way. Very artistic. Pup Pup's is super like... direct and personal. Yeah. And then this this Priest one is kind of like... Political. Political in like societal. Because like the, the title, The Seduction of Kansas, is referring to kind of the push and pull between liberal and conservative ideals in the state of Kansas. In, in that song, the title track, Seduction of Kansas, where it's like, um, I'm the one who loves you, yep. is kind of like the the singer or, or the, the person is kind of saying this to like the people of Kansas as like the head of the political party or whatever who's trying to win over their yeah. affections. It's like, oh no, I'm the one who loves you. And that's a really interesting perspective. And I read something where the lead singer was like, yeah, like pre-songs don't really have lyrics like that. Like I'm the one who loves you or whatever. Right. And like we want, we thought that'd be really interesting to put into one of our songs in this context. Yeah. I, I've, I've been liking songs like Jesus' Son, The Seduction of Kansas. Young, I'm young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus' Son. Quite a lyric. Yep. Uh, Good Time Charlie, obviously. I, I, I got to say, Sean, you might not love this, but Ice Cream... Reminds me of the B-52s a little bit. There's actually a yeah. lot of elements going on yeah. on this album that remind me of the yeah. B-52s in terms of the way they use female vocals over like kind of like uh, really sharp melodic guitar lines. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up my quibble now with the album and with priests in general. I think which is that I don't know if it's for effect. I don't know if it's a punk thing. What exactly they're doing? Uh, this singer is always like a little flat. Like, literally, from the note she is trying right. to be singing, it always seems like she is singing the songs, like, just out of key hmm. to me. Like, just flat. And it always bothers me. I don't... So, first of all, my ear is not, like... I, I don't notice. I Like, when you mention it, I could be like, oh, yeah. It's I know like, what you mean. Yeah. But in the moment, I'm never like, this is flat, because, to be quite honest with you, I don't really know what that means which i just mean that it's like it's not hitting what i think she's trying to hit mm. it's just it's like it's a little t- too low or something i don't know okay like, I, it's like it's but part of that is like attitude i think part I think of it, it i think that's what it is because there's certain times where like she can really get up there with it like yeah. on um 
on it's it's not even just flat it's like pitchy it's like she's not okay she's like like i know what she's trying to sing and it's like she's not finding it exactly yeah. right i don't know man I, like priest is not a bit she's not trying to be fucking celine dion right right like i right. know that i just it sometimes bothers me to listen to it now you mentioning celine dion does that count as a soundcloud tag for us are we gonna like bring in the i think we the should celine dion fans like my older sister I, I, I definitely think we should tag this. Maybe even put it in the title <laughs> think, of the episode. I think so, too. I think so, I, too. I guess it's a similar thing to what happens to me sometimes with uh, with the, the singer in Camp Cope, where she'll sometimes be, like, really kind of pitchy and, like... Sure. Just not have a ton of control over her voice. And again, like, I know it's not what it's about in either of yeah. those bands. I yeah. get that. I, I think it is, like, what they're sort of going for. Um, Maybe. So, like I said, I don't think this quite reaches the highs of the first record, but I've still been really enjoying this, and I, I think like songs like Texas Instruments is really cool, um, Control Freaks really good, Good Time Charlie, obviously. I think that's the highlight here is Good Time Charlie. That song is like thrilling. I, the, I really like it. The The album title and album cover is, I think, a candidate for just best... Of the year, for sure. Yeah. It's one of the coolest album arts I've seen in a long time. And that title, The Seduction of Kansas, is sick. Very and cool. and, and I, again, I don't want the impression to be that I have disliked it. Because I haven't. I, I've been enjoying this album in a general way. It's just like, I, it really is just a nitpick. Where I'm just like, I yeah. wonder like, what's going on there with right, the vocals. Right. Like, I can't tell if it's like a punk aesthetic thing or what. But anyways. Fair. Fair enough. Um, but overall, Jake, I think this was an incredibly strong release week. Um, I've been really enjoying all these albums. It's going to be tough to live up to the rest of the year in terms of strength of days. Um, I think that's all we have for hot thoughts or news this week, Jake. And it is an abbreviated week because you and I have a date with Apocalypse Now. I'm very excited for this. Now, I I was talking to a big friend of the pod, Kara, about this movie. And I was saying... um, a really good movie podcast name would be Apodcalypse Now. Ooh. That's a missed opportunity for any and all movie podcasts out there that they didn't call it that. And I actually looked it up on the podcast, uh, the iTunes podcast app. No one has Apodcalypse Now. We may as well just start it. We should. We should buy that URL. We should start Apodcalypse Now and have the first episode be about Apocalypse Now after we watch it. Yeah, and then just not do another one. <laughs> and um, then we can just sit on that. Yeah, we do have a release radar quick. I can. Oh yeah, get, hit us with a release radar. So, I don't think I am excited in partic- particular, or that you are going to be for any of these four new albums from Anderson Pack. Pack. We both man. have said that. Like, ne- I'm out on on Anderson Pack. His stuff doesn't resonate with me totally. Which, which is gonna like, I know that sounds crazy because everyone seems to love him except for me. And maybe you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not going to listen to. This I liked a one. couple songs on that last uh, album. Yeah. Uh, Broken social scene with a new album. Uh, I've never really listened to them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Here's one that seems to be big with a lot of other music fans okay. who like music like I do. Okay. Uh, Damien Gerardo. Oh yeah. Okay. I like J- Damien Gerardo a yep. decent amount. But yeah. here's the thing. I he now has a pretty prolific catalog. And I've only ever listened to a couple of his albums, and they never really grabbed me. I've liked a handful of the songs. 
Is it enough to get me to like check out this later career Damien Gerardo album? Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not sure. And, and another, maybe not, Jake. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, like, if we're thinking, will it or will it not? It's a maybe not. I'm gonna keep listening to T Rex. Yeah. Okay. That, I'm gonna keep listening to the Slider by so T Rex. Have that be a recommendation of the week in one second. Okay. Because the the fourth one is Glenn Hansard, and that's another artist. He's releasing a new album this week. Where, based on the album covers. Of Glenn Hansard, based on what I know of his sound, which I think is like loosely a folk sound, the guy looks like Matt Berninger. Yeah, it should be something I like. Right. I've never taken the time to listen, and I can't tell if Glenn Hansard is worth diving into. Well, there's all sorts of music out there, Jake, that is excellent that we've never heard before. Uh, that seems a perfect example is my recommendation of the week, which is the aforementioned on, that is on Electric Warrior, which came before this T-Rex album, The Slider. This was the Pitchfork Sunday review this past week. Very striking album cover. It's Mark Boland in the, on the front, who basically invented glam rock. And you can see he's wearing this big bowler hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like black and white. It's a cool-looking album cover. And they gave it a 9.5. And I was like, you know what? I've always heard of T-Rex. I've never listened to them. I like Bang a Gong. Why have I not checked them out? And I decided to listen to The Slider and this album is just like 70s rock pop bliss. The songwriting on here is so classic. It holds up incredibly well. There are certain songs on here that are basically... like They must have been like, we're going to kind of poke fun at Led Zeppelin. Like there's a song... The, the second to last song is called Chariot Chugal. It's... Dude, it's a whole lot of love. But like, so this is basically glam rock. It's almost like that song that you're describing in that aesthetic of poke fun at Led Zeppelin. It sounds like Greta Van Fleet with a sense of humor, pretty much, in like actual songwriting chops. Like better, yeah, yeah. yeah. So wait, 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 I, hold on. Are you trying to say that you don't love Greta Van Fleet? <laughs> I, and, I wouldn't dare say that. And the fucking Army of the Peaceful <laughs> Army, or whatever their album is called. Um, yeah, I, I, I will not tread into those waters, Jake. I will not be. Put on record saying Greta Van Feet Van Feet sucks. Smells like feet. Greta Van smells like feet. I didn't say Greta Van Fleet sucks. Oh. I did. I did. I just now. You said you would not be put on record. I saying. would never say that on a hot mic that Greta Van Fleet sucks and is really bad. I, mean, I would never say it. Let's see how they progress as artists. You never know. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. They definitely seem like level headed kids, so <laughs> You never know. Uh, but yeah, check out T-Rex, either Electric Warrior or The Slider, which I've been really taking a liking to this week. Uh, I think that about wraps it up, though. Yep. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have some more 2010s in review talk. Uh, maybe we'll do a quick discussion on Apocalypse Now in the after show next week well, as well. Well, that'll be on Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, yes, yes. Our sister podcast. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Yep. All right, we are on. Okay, I, I have a I have a pre-show for you. Jake that I'm actually pretty mad about. You're fired up. You came in fired up. I I think my sunglasses either got lost or stolen again out of my car. That's a bummer. 
So this morning I was in my car driving to work and I was like, huh, my sunglasses aren't in here. They're usually right in the cup holder in a case. And it was the first day this week that I actually needed them because it had been raining the first two days. Yep. So I didn't even realize they driving were Driving east, too. Driving east. and To a rising sun. I was like, ah, they're probably in my apartment somewhere. I probably brought them inside. Before I came over here, I looked for them. High and low, Jake. High and low. The fruitless search for oh. something you can't find is the among the most frustrating things in, in the, the, the privileged human experience. And that is why I'm coming in so fired up. Yeah. Is because now my sunglasses, I think, are gone. I've had a previous pair of prescription Ray-Ban sunglasses stolen out of my car. And this last time, I thought I had left the door unlocked and I had just parked on the street near my apartment. So I was like, you know what? That's on me. Like, you left the door unlocked, you parked on the street, you know, you're asking to get your sunglasses stolen. That's, a, I mean, that still sucks, though. I mean, that's a good attitude yeah. to take, but it's like... It's like, okay, that happens. Fool me once. Fool me twice, Jake. This time, though, I park in my parking spot. My door was definitely locked. I've been very good about keeping my door locked. And I come back, and I'm like, okay, nothing in the cup holder. I don't see them in my apartment. Where else could they be? So I'm doing that thing now where I'm retracing my steps in my mind. When was the last time you knew you had them? Um, oh, you know what? You might have it. You might have just found it on the pod. All it took was recording it. Where do you think they are? I think they might be in Kara's car. I think they might be. Because I think... She stole them. I wore. She is the sunglasses bandit. Clearly, clearly, I'm misreading what you're like. Ah, it's all become clear. No, because she's I, stealing shades. I think I wore them on Sunday on the way to her mom's mom and dad's house. I helped with a baking class, Jake. I saw the pictures. It was really it cool. Like it was a good it was time. really fun. It was a great day. Um, I think I wore them there. Maybe left them in the car. Maybe I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But I, I, don't I hope know. so too. I don't know. I, if not, I'm have... gonna have to buy new sunglasses again. Because you always have nice sunglasses. Thank you. And like, I always buy the cheapest ones I can find because I know it's fleeting for me. I'm not gonna find good ones that fit my head. Mm. It's the bottom line. But if I were you, I'd be disappointed too. When I lose sunglasses, I just say, well. Uh, easy come, easy go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. that's sort of my attitude it, it, with everything, Sean. The, you know, I have this this really good, <laughs> a fair attitude. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, it's like I went through the whole effort of getting them prescriptions. So if some person stole them and tried to pawn them or use them themselves, like they're not going to do anyone any good unless they have my exact like prescription. Yeah, man, I I. I it seems like a fool's errand to do that. They might not have been stolen. Maybe you're going to find them after all. It's my last hope is that they're in her car. So Obi-Wan Kenobi is we'll your see. only hope. We'll see. Uh, I'm putting together release radar because I realized we didn't do that. Is, I looked earlier. I didn't see like anything of note. It's Anderson Puck. Oh, your boy. My boy. Uh, broken, broken social scene. Okay. Okay. Uh, is it a live album or something? Uh, I don't know. Probably Let's won't listen to it. the after... Okay. Um, Anyways, I, I I hope I find them, and I'm really excited to watch Apocalypse Now 
after this podcast. That's what I'm most excited Me too. about tonight. Me too. Uh, everything until then is just the prelude to it's watching. window dressing, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Glenn Hansard with a new album, Sean. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Thank God we did the release radar then. Yeah. That's, yeah. Have you ever listened to Glenn Hansard? No. No. He looks like, everything about the way his albums look, look like things I'd like. Mm. But I've never tried any okay. at all. I don't even really remember yeah, what he I've sounds never, like. Yeah, I've never partaken. So we have very little to talk about. That's good. Oh, we have three like big albums though. Yeah. Well, I haven't listened to one of them. Well, you're missing out. So, so we can we can go ahead and dive in. Yeah, I'm if good. You want? Okay. I'm good. All right, ready. <clears throat> three, two, one. 